Welcome to Ireland's Social Impact Podcast. Social impact refers to the effects on society resulting from actions, policies or projects led by individuals, government bodies or organisations. In this podcast, I will chat to guests that have created a positive social impact in Ireland. My name is Eilish, I am your host and marketing manager at 2 into 3, where we focus on transformative social impact. Today I'm joined by PhD researcher and funding expert Neve Carruthers, who is currently undertaking a PhD at the Technological University Dublin, where she's focusing on Ireland's charitable giving culture. Neve has recently researched and authored the Economics of Faith report. I'm also joined by 2 into 3 CEO Dennis O'Connor, who has 21 years experience in the nonprofit sector. Today we're going to discuss the history of Ireland and religion particularly looking at, is Ireland as secularised as we think? We'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode and the Economics of Faith report, Quilter Cheviot. Quilter Cheviot are a leading investment management company who specialise in helping charities and private clients with their investments. So you're very welcome to the podcast today, Neve and Dennis, to do part two, where we're going to discuss the history of Ireland and religion, and specifically, is Ireland as secularised as we think? So... In the latest census data in 2022, there was an increase in percentage of the population reported no religion, while a decline in those identifying as Catholic was observed. So this would be indicative of the increasingly secularised society. But as we have discussed in the previous podcast, this isn't the entire picture. So I'm going to pose a question to you first, Dennis. Is Ireland as secularised as we think? Again, I would say the answer is yes and no. So there are, uh, it is from, from a Catholic perspective, you know, um, there is a, a move to secularization within, within those professing fi- their faith as Catholic and because they represented the large proportion. But uh, when you go outside of Catholic, uh, to some extent, almost the opposite is happening. So there are many new faiths in Ireland. Several of them are clearly growing significantly because they're establishing places of worship. They're establishing organizations. And they're doing that um, at reasonable scale in terms of the number of organizations, which then may grow over time. So I think what you have is is two things happening. If you like a, a secularization within the traditional Catholic population and a growing diverse faith-based organization, which is non-Catholic and non, non-traditional Protestant, more evangelical and Pentecostal Protestant. So like all things, the average rarely describes what's really going on. As we'd mentioned before, there always is that conversation around the decline in Catholicism, but there isn't as much narrative placed on these new emerging religions and I think that's why the general public would automatically say of course Ireland's secular of course there's absolutely no tie between the state and religion anymore that's completely outdated but one of the things we want to talk a bit more about is the root of the Catholic Church historically and how that ties into the Irish psyche and Irish individual giving and I know Neve, there were some really interesting things that came out of Economics of Faith report you did. So I don't know if you would like to touch a bit more on that individual given basis and talk about the context around that. 
Yeah, I think that individual giving in Ireland uh, is a bit of a, a minefield potentially for organizations and for people who are involved in fundraising uh, because it's this web of what drives giving, why do people give, where do they give, and how do they give. And so in terms of individual giving, that includes all forms of one person or family giving to a cause. That doesn't include corporates or institutions like trusts and foundations, right? So when we're talking about individual giving and when we're talking about it in the context of faith, the first thing that comes to mind is a couple coins in the basket at mass, yeah. right? And now, the <laughs> yes, the envelopes, I remember the envelopes. And now as we're seeing these emerging faiths, um, all over Ireland. We are asking, how are they fundraising? How are they giving? Are they tithing, which is giving a portion of your income to the church, to your church? Is it something else? Is it practicing altruism? So there's all these different ways to look at it. And when we talk about individual giving to faith-based organizations, purely in terms of numbers, we saw in 2020 that about 90 euro per capita was being given to faith-based organizations in 2020. That's not what I expected to see. I expected other causes to come in higher, but religion was more than twice the other causes. And this isn't the only place where we're seeing that. There are reports that outline a similar finding from the donor perspective. Donors are saying, yes, I'm giving to a faith-based cause. So that's one piece. Mm -hmm. And the other piece that I am curious about, even after all the research is, to what extent is it really just giving in, in church versus all these other activities that religious organizations are involved in? And I think Dennis can speak to this really well, but when we look at Ireland, for a long time, Irish identity was almost synonymous with Catholicism. So. Ireland's collective consciousness and identity are really strongly rooted in Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. And the Catholic Church's influence is really deeply ingrained in our social norms, the Constitution, and I think the economy. And I think the economy includes nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it's all nice and linked up. But that means that there is an influence that goes outside the church doors. So what's happening in terms of health care, in terms of education, in terms of taking care of our homeless, uh, people who are in need, um, maybe even sport, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, the next question beyond how much are people giving to religion is how far does that influence reach today? So when you're looking at that 90 euro, is it really all in church or is it kind of going further? I think that 90 euro is to me is shocking I as as a person who would have thought yes Ireland is very secularized and now looking at the data have it in front of us here 90 euro per capita versus the UK at 37 you know that's almost three times as much so it, it bodes back to the question of Ireland is definitely not as secularized as we thought because people are still giving at large amounts in terms of of religious giving the yeah. only one that we really compare to is the U.S. in terms of religious giving as a percent of our gross income as a country of our of our GDP or our, uh, our GNI. So mm -hmm. the USA gives a lot more per capita in, across the board, but 
actually, like what you're saying, the UK gave 37 euro per capita, the Netherlands gave 44. So the US was was pretty far ahead in terms of how much, but in terms of percentage, that's kind of who we were ranking next to. And I suppose the one of the benefits doing reports like this is that, you know, it's hard data. So mm-hmm. uh, the first thing to say, well, that, that those were the quantums being raised. Um, they were going to faith-based organizations uh, in 2020, and they were going to, I suppose, a diverse group of including you know, newer organizations as well. That the significant amount was going to more traditional Catholic. There was also you know, a portion going to the newer and 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 all non-Catholic uh, faiths. Um, so it is what it is, and. It does suggest that we're not quite as secular as we think. Definitely. And as well as that, Neve, I heard earlier you were touching on the kind of Irish psyche type of um, the reasons why Irish people give. And obviously that is very much rooted in being a a Catholic country originally. But is there any more findings you want to talk about or anything else you want to delve into there around the the Irish second and why is it that we give or maybe your research hasn't extended quite to that yet? Yeah, I think that when people hear my American accent, maybe, and then they hear that I'm about to tell them how Irish people give, they yeah. <laughs> they hesitate. But yeah. there is a lot of a lot of really interesting and new research coming out about why people give, why don't people give, how do they give? And there's a lot of space for new knowledge in Ireland. And so when you look at the Irish psyche and when you look at the role of the church in what is the Ireland today, uh, there is this this piece around, as, as Dennis mentioned in the last episode, about how the Catholic Church played a really crucial role in the birth and early development of the Irish state as we know it and in Catholic emancipation. And it was, the Catholic Church in a lot of ways was the civil society sector for a long time. So whether it was you were sick or you were hungry or you were homeless or you had to go to school, it all came back. Or the Scouts. The Scouts were were a Christian organization as well. So all of these organizations um, that maybe aren't uh, per se, they're not religious per se in 2023, but they're rooted in faith. And so one question is, well, what's in a name? So I think immediately some organizations that come to mind are St. Vincent de Paul, uh, St. Patrick's uh, College, St. Patrick's Hospital. There's There's a lot of saint being bandied around and it's still in the name because these organizations are institutions. They've been around for a long time. They have a huge influence on Irish life and they've done amazing, huge things. And so that poses the question of, well, what is the role of religion in these organizations today? So maybe they're on their documents, it doesn't say we're a religious organization. Maybe it says we're a hospital, but there's still a role for Christian values in these organizations. And when you sit down with them and you talk to them, you can still see that, you know, this this idea of a Christian ethos does certainly feature. It's a part of their organizational psyche as well. So, yes, although an individual religious faith might not be as apparent in our society. Those organizations that were set up um, as Ireland became a state, the Christian ethos is still there 
and maybe that follows through to individuals and, and how they give. So that was a very interesting piece, I thought, that came out of this this research, Neve. It was an extra two billion euro that I calculated that could be attributed to organizations that were uh, maybe not strictly religious, but had their roots in faith. So that's two billion euro of total income and then an extra 128 million of fundraised. And I think it's higher. So I just think that that really makes Ireland's sector unique in that way, that there's this history that's not that long in the sense of the Irish state that we can trace back and, and really easily look at exactly what happened. So it's I think the, the missing piece is actually what's happening today. So mm-hmm. it's been really interesting. And have you seen in your research, Neve, the change in, in how people are giving and how that has changed in the last however many years? Have you seen that? apparent in your in your research yeah i mean for one thing even in general when we're not looking just at religious organizations anymore individual giving continues to be the highest um people give in appeals in direct marketing they give regularly in a standing order they are increasingly leaving a legacy this isn't something that was ever really discussed until a couple years ago but there are some people in the nonprofit sector in organizations who are working really hard to create a culture of transformational gift giving in Ireland. Uh, And when I say transformational, and I know Dennis knows a whole lot about this, I mean large scale, multi-year, you know, moving wealth. And that's not to say that your regular average Joe putting five euro in the bucket doesn't matter because he does. And that five euro does matter. But the way that we give is starting to secularize as well. And that means giving bigger and, and maybe giving more. But that's been a challenge as we and, and that goes back to giving culture. And that's a, a bigger overarching question that we continually have how to mobilize that kind of giving. And so when we look at the religious sector specifically, I don't think I'm necessarily seeing that just yet. But That goes back to the composition, who the organizations are. If they are newer, smaller organizations, it makes sense that it's mostly your church collections. But when we look at the older guys, we are starting to see a more diverse, a more structured approach to giving potentially. For me, the most fascinating piece about this particular report is not what it says about the Catholic Church, or the Catholic faith, but what it's saying about the non-Catholic faiths, the, the range of them, the depth of them, the level of activity, and the connection between that and the new Irish and the growth and the effect that is going to show a different story over the next 10 to 20 years because they, are, they exist and they are active and they're young and they're new and the people involved in them probably have a younger demographic so it is going to have an impact so it's really interesting to the extent to which the number of those organizations that they're attracting funding support that they're diverse and if you take the history of the Catholic faith if you take the history of Quakers in Ireland, if you take the history of of uh, the Protestant faith in Ireland, the, in their very active phase, the people with that faith 
who become successful do things in society. But in Ireland, there's going to be another group of people. And when those, those people become active or have the ability to be more active, coming from faith-based background, they won't be coming from a Catholic background. Yes. That's an interesting thing to me because prior to this, doing looking at it in this way, I wouldn't have had out of an anecdotal, but not a sense of the scale of that non-Catholic side. So no. that's the piece, and that it, and how that's going to shape, mm-hmm. right? So let's say we are seeing in other ways the new Irish start to shape our sporting organizations. We saw it in the athletics. We're seeing the visibility of it. I think we're going to see it on the faith side. Okay, so in the it's, next while. it's safe to say that Ireland is not a secularized as as we think. I think that's the you, can, you start it with a yes and no, and now I think it's a <laughs> it's a strong no. Sorry, Neve, you had a, you had a question. Well, as well. Yes. I think first of all, I don't want to make secularization or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I don't want either to sound like a dirty word. I don't think that they are. I just think the world keeps moving. So that's one piece. It doesn't. It's not necessarily bad to be rooted in faith because. When you look at some of the biggest philanthropic accomplishments, you know, in Ireland or anywhere, they they are tied back to amazing people or orders. So when I think of Merchant's Key or even Father Peter McVeary, and now those again are, are more Catholic examples, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what kinds of things these newer actors will do. Mm-hmm. So the likes of, you know, the Islamic Council, that's a cultural organization with faith ties. That to me is really fascinating because it's not just about establishing places of worship, it's about fostering an identity and a membership in a in a really positive way. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing what what organizations like that will build. So then I'd like to ask Dennis Looking at this report and looking at the composition of the sector, we're seeing all these new little guys come in. And even though they're religious associations by definition, which means they're not necessarily a place of worship, they could be any kind of organization that represents um, a faith and they have a tie, but they don't have to be specifically like a church or a mosque or a temple. So we're seeing these new guys, but a lot of them are actually still just churches. So there so one issue is the is our language. There's gaps. But these these new guys, do you think that they're doomed to follow the same trajectory that the Catholic organizations did before? Do you think they will come in as little congregations and then struggle and just have collection income for a while and then slowly start to deliver and meet needs in the community or do you think they'll go their own way? Well, they are being they're being established in the Ireland of the uh, the twenty twenties. So the needs of Ireland today are completely different than the needs were when Catholic organisations looked around and saw what the need was. So the role will be different. That's I suppose one thing. Two, um, it won't just be collections um, when they are attending service, if you like, or worship, because uh, we collect money differently, it, in, it influences differently. And thirdly, uh, and in some of the faiths represented here, you know, they're 
a lot of the people of that faith that are living and working in Ireland are are doing so in areas, it, I suppose, a very professional area on a on a personal level. So it is going to be different. It's not going to be the same. Um, one of the, again, one of the reasons why we're drawing attention is because so much money is raised philanthropically still by favoured organisations. Uh, there is some evidence that those faith-based organizations have not yet modernized their methods of fundraising to, you know, to compare them to, say, some of the leading social service or international development organizations, even though some of those social service and international development organizations came out of a faith-based background. So, again, I think you're going to see change there. Now, whether that is as simple as that you tap to give rather than you because you don't have money <laughs> or uh, so I so again coming back to it what's fascinating for me is let's look at the non-Catholic side mm -hmm. let's understand what's happening there let's understand who those organizations are and let's you know uh, see what they're doing as they become active in order to have an impact in society in which not only their own members are living in, but when they're looking around and they're thinking altruistically because their faith calls on them to do that, where does that altruism go in Ireland? What does it focus on? And I think that's going to be very interesting. It will be very interesting. I have a question and it's more of a, a broader social sense. So I think that people listening to this might be surprised to hear that Ireland is, is maybe not as secularized as we think. So how do we explain in, in a social concept that just because there is no longer the tie between the state and religious organizations anymore, and I think a lot of people are happy to see that and that's a narrative in Ireland today, how do we still maintain hope and positivity for that um, the the new Irish and what comes out of that because I know you spoke about that Neve and how that can look very different in the future and it won't maybe necessarily follow the same trends as we previously saw so uh, my question then is how do we focus on the positives of, of what these new organisations can bring? I think that there are some real challenges faced by all kinds of non-profits and actors, let's call them, in this web. And one of them is innovation. And uh, something that Dennis uh, has said a few times that really resonates with me is that uh, during, was it the construction of, was it the Vartry? You know, 100 years ago, people in their early 20s were finishing college and building reservoirs that weren't meant to last. I can't believe I'm telling this for Dennis, but <laughs> there, there were ambitious projects that were a little scary at first, but they happened. And I think the thing that I've seen change is that the church used to be behind a lot of those. So a lot of these big things that we saw, beautiful buildings and wonderful services, they were ambitious. But today we automatically, and I don't want to generalize, but I think we often associate faith with old-fashioned. Mm. And maybe innovation and faith don't go so well together. But faith means 
I guess, believing in something bigger. And as a society, we need to believe that we have to believe that we are a part of something bigger, even as as a community, and start getting projects through that are, are a little more audacious. And so I think, again, this is Dennis's speech that I'm making now. <laughs> because we tend to think of faith in Ireland as and the barometer of where faith is as to where the Catholic faith is. And we're looking in the wrong place. Okay, so we need to change our perspective and our narrative around that. And then when we're asking an opinion, or when there's a visibility of it, it might be you know a bishop speaking who tends to be of a certain age because that's the age they are. But we're not talking to enough about or enough to all the 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 people who are driving all these many different religious organizations who, Sarah said, are typically younger. And you know, one of the things about youth is youth doesn't believe it can't be done. It has less fear. Um, and you know, a society, which is why it's good, people will say it in any team, in any organization, a really good team has a diversity of age has a diversity of gender, has a diversity of energy, because it comes from that. So yes, as you get older, you get wise, but you get cautious. As you get younger, you are tend to be more ambitious, more open to taking risks because you don't know what the consequent risks are. So coming back to that, yes, to the point that Neve made, it was a 28-year-old engineer who proposed and built the Arden Crusher Dam in the late 1920s, which was the largest dam of its kind in the world at that time, 28. Today, such a project would not get through our decision-making process in government. So take the same thing back. If you look at when the religious and, and, and people of different faiths in Ireland founded the various things uh, in Ireland, they were, they were younger. They themselves were younger. So, I think one of the things that this draws me is there is a there is a dynamic going on outside the Catholic faith of organizations, and it is going to end up doing things that impact society. And it will be interesting to follow that story. Okay, I think as well going off of that, uh, something that uh, we need to do as a sector uh, is not exclude. And when I say sector, I mean the 30,000 nonprofits in Ireland. That's a mm -hmm. lot. And then there's organizations that aren't registered, but they're still there. I worry that religious organizations, faith-based organizations, maybe aren't being included in the conversation in a meaningful way due to preconceived notions. And Absolutely. I don't want to generalize, but I think that it's very important that we make an extra effort then to broaden the conversation and bring people from these emerging faiths that have a newer presence in Ireland into the conversation. And with that comes bringing younger people into the conversation and people with different values. And that's hard and it's frightening sometimes because we get really set in our ways. But I think that Ireland is at a place right now we can kind of collectively grit our teeth and say something's got to give in a few areas and so maybe the mover and the shaker won't be who we expect and so we do need to do better as nonprofits, as 
society to ask questions and be open to answers from newer organizations and, and different groups of people. Dennis and Nate, thanks so much. That was extremely interesting. And I think it gives a lot to think about in terms of how we view religion in Ireland, how we view secularization, just because we don't see it as much, it's still there. And I think you've highlighted a lot more food for thought definitely today. And I look forward to seeing what innovation comes with these new religious organizations, as you have said. So thank you very much for attending today and giving us all your insights. Thanks, thank you. Thanks for listening to Ireland's Social Impact Podcast. To stay up to date with latest episodes, please subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by 2 into 3, where we focus on transformative social impact. For more information, visit our website, 2into3.com.